0: I'd like to acknowledge Australia's First Nation people as the traditional custodians of the land, and for this episode in particular, the Ngunnawal people. I pay my respects to their elders, past, present, and emerging.
1: It was really sort of going from someone who just touched their toes in wine in Australia to being straight into these sort of um, French wines was um, quite a, quite quite a big turnaround for me. And, um, and again, just sort of just sort of enhance that sort of a, a like wine.
0: This is over a glass. I'm Shantae Whale. Brian Martin is one of Australia's nicest winemakers, known for his natural talent with the grape and a smile that would soften any frown. His Ravensworth wines, made in the Canberra district, will win you over with their character and finesse. Hi, Brian, thanks for joining me.
1: Hi, nice to be here.
0: Brian, you've had a few lifetimes of adventures, There's no way I'm going to let you sum it up in one paragraph. So (laughs) instead, tell me a little bit about your first memory of wine.
1: I guess it it sort of goes back um, really to when I first started working in hospitality and this this was sort of in the um, mid-80s and um, I started working at a, a, a hotel here in Canberra. That was quite ahead of its time. It was one of the first sort of atrium hotels around, had a really good wine, sort of cocktail bar and restaurant and quite a good wine at the time. And um, I just remember just drinking um, this Chardonnay that was made by Brian Crozer when he was at um, the Riverina um, um, College, which was um, now at CSU, and it was, so it was 1980, College Chardonnay. I just remember drinking that, and it just sort of, I'd had a bit of contact wine before then, but I just sort of just, it just sort of changed my thoughts on wine. I thought I just, all of a sudden I, I'd sort of had my attention sort of thing from that wine on. And, and from that point onwards, um, I just sort of got into it. Yeah. So it was sort of, um, I, was, I was in my early 20s and just um, about, about to go off overseas on a trip. But I, I just sort of, from then, and it just sort of evolved from there when, when I was over in England. We worked in what really good wine bar over there and the, the, the knowledge grew and, came back to Australia, started working for a wine retailer. And it just sort of just went on and on, the um the, 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 the thing. And, and it was all, always that sort of hospitality retail that I was in, into at that time there. And uh, it was much later, obviously, that I that got into, into production.
0: Oh, that's a great first wine to kind of really make you stop and think. Still to this day, I think, you know, those... Petaluma and the legacy that Brian Crows has left but that their Chardonnays are pretty amazing tell me a little bit about when you you know when you moved over to to England you worked at a little wine bar um, that was owned by Michael Caine and Peter Langan tell me a little bit about that experience yeah, I guess when I when I got
1: there, I didn't have much money, and um, so but I, I I did have English heritage, so I was able to I didn't have to have visas and that, so I was able to work over there, and I um so I was able to um, find quite a good job at the time because most Aussies at the time they were, they're working they're working in pubs for their keep so they're basically just working but well, they actually got a, quite a good job working this little called Langan's um, um, okay, Langans, Langan's Wine Bar Langan's Bistro but it was, it, was, it was he had a few he had a few restaurants in that area in Mayfair and this one was attached to the um, Down Street Hotel, Seven Down Street, a little, a little tiny six-room hotel that was owned by the at the time by the Rolling Stones. So this little, really cool little restaurant. It was like a, I was on the floor when I when I started there. Then I, then I started working the bar, and then I was sort of running the wine list there. This had a great little range of French wines. I just remember there's sort of these a lot of Bordeaux. So they had all, not that many, not many first growths, but a lot, a lot of class growths there. And I just remember people, and people really drank them. And the owner, Peter Lang, and he, he just, he, he was a real sort of, um, really known for his drinking capability at the time. And he, so he had a great champagne list there as well. As maybe remember he, he used to always come in for, he'd come in, if he came for breakfast, he'd be having a, you know, a bottle of I.D. Bollinger and that sort of stuff. So... It was just a really cool hotel, and each of the rooms had a different theme, and um, and the wine list was um, had a you know, really nice cellar downstairs for the proper wine list with, with a dumb waiter to bring the wine up, and, um, and I just sort of I just sort of really sort of again sort of got, got me. I guess more f- out of off the floor and just really focused on just being in in, in the bar and um, and it was just a just a really cool place to work. It, it closed down. Just I, I left. It had it, been sold and, and and was closed down. And I left and worked another place in um in not not too far away. But um I just that was always quite a interesting time. Just seeing that those sort of wines for the first time. Had a lot of a lot of wines from Lirio as well. And luckily like, you know, on lots of Muscadet's and all that sort of thing. So. It was really sort of going from someone who just touched their toes in wine in Australia to being straight into these sort of um, um, French wines was um, quite a, quite quite a big turnaround for me. And um, and again, just sort of just sort of enhanced that sort of th- this, this this is I mean I I like wine. You know, food food was as much important to me or always has been, but wine was really getting up there then. And um, I just I really like working there. I was a bit I was a bit sort of. Um, I'm a bit disappointed when it did close down but they, 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 they sold it and, um, and um, yeah, I ended up going off and working on a cruise ship in America after then. <laughs> so, so I kept, there was nothing, nothing to do with wine <laughs> so, so at all.
0: <laughs> Peter Langham was like a notorious restaurateur and uh, sadly died when he was fairly young, which is was really sad. Um, what do you, did you like, did you have much to do with him? Did you meet him? Like you said, just serving him on the odd occasion.
1: Yeah, Moore has just been one of the one of the people there, but he was he was he was, he was intense. Like he, he was, um, you know, he seemed like he was pretty drunk most of the time <laughs> because he was around. And, and at the time, Michael came which was just as bad. <laughs> he, he, he he sobered up, but um, unfortunately, Pittling and didn't, didn't get to that age. So he um yeah he, he was quite he was quite the ta- quite the person, and very much that sort of um you know that sort of that. Classic restaurateur, that sort of just ate, ate well and like he'd, he'd just be always eating and drinking, and um, and it was just um, you know it was fascinating to watch. Like I've, I've come across a few people like that since then <laughs> that that has <have> that has survived. <laughs> so, so yeah, no, it was quite fun. Quite-
0: well, that's nice because I, I feel I feel like sometimes people like that, you know, they have such a a love of food and wine, and unfortunately we kind of remember them. Be- because of their demise in that way. But, you know, we have these amazing cellars and beautiful restaurants to thank them for that live on in their kind of legacy. And it must have been nice working with these incredible wines. Did you, were you just kind of kind of self Teaching yourself along the way as you kind of were selling wines.
1: Yeah, that's absolutely. Yeah, I was just sort of just, just just reading and you know reading all those books that yeah they, they, they do and um and just sort of um just yeah just, just just slowly learning it. Not not in any sort of formal fashion. I um I mean there wasn't really any sort of courses that. Uh, but I just sort of it, it just sort of I just just remember. But and the people that worked in the restaurant winter as well. So I think it's, it's sort of it is the people that you tend to work with that sort of drawing as well so I just found that we, we were um, trying lots of wine and um, whereas I think a lot of my um, other Aussie brethren at the time were probably just drinking drink in, in bars just drinking and <laughs> that sort of stuff so I, was, I, felt, I felt quite um, lucky to be able to um, with fair little experience because it, was, it wasn't to actually be able to do that over there because there weren't, there weren't many of us doing, doing, doing work in those sort of places.
0: Wow, that's so cool. I mean, that Langen's Brasserie was an institution, and I, like, I just imagine to be able to go back and just spend you know like a few days watching the people that come and go. That would have been just pretty sensational. Do you did you run into people you you know have good memories of? Yeah, well,
1: lots, lots, well there's lots of famous people who used to come through there. And, um, you know, it sort of fits. Um, I, I mean, I, mem- <laughs> I remember once I was in the bar sort of serving a. Try, trying to convince the next James Bond actor to, to, um, to for me to make him a, make him a martini, but he, d- he didn't drink. <laughs> <So> <laughs> it, was, it was George Lazenby, so he was like, essentially a local. <laughs> but, you <yeah>. know, anyway. So <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, look, if you had made that epic martini, maybe we would have lost you to the bar community. So I'm very glad that it worked out that way.
1: Would have been such a good story.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so true. Tell me a little bit about what you did next in terms of working on the Americanus. My mother, you know, um, spent a long time traveling on some of those big cruise ships, kind of, you know, going to and from England or when she went on travels. And she'd tell me these crazy stories about the passages going through. Tell me a little bit about what it was like as a waiter on those ships.
1: Because uh, I, I, was, I was hired. We and A friend a friend of mine who I was you new know, over there as well, we, we both got these jobs with this company and we, so we are both sort of flown to, um, to Florida to, um, to wait for our ship to come in. And um, Justin went off to do this cruise ship that went up to Alaska. But I got on this – I was sent back to New York and, um, and on this the, the Americana. So it basically it was sort of this old school sort of station. I'm not sure if you've been on a cruise. I mean, this put me off ever being on a boat again. <laughs> so, so, so basically what we did as a station waiter, we had, we had um, three tables of, um, of four people – Two seatings um, for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and then they always had midnight buffet. So we would, attend, we would attend those same people for the. It was it was basically a five day trip. We went from New York out. This, this is in the winter. This was in the off season. For, for, for um the, the um the Caribbean. So the ships of went to the Caribbean. But I but I, when I was there it was it was in the time where they wouldn't go down because of the storm. So um so I'd, we'd go from New York out to Bermuda and, and back again. And then there was like a one night cruise within New York Harbor. So so you basically have these same people to look after and obviously mostly older American people and they eight and eight and eight and eight and, eight. and so station weight we had to sort of walk around the boat with um trays with the um the plates on it. So we'd have we'd have commies that would do the um that would do all the drinks and that stuff there. But so my, my job was to um just go get the collect the food is it like a, it's like a like a, a little um I don't know food court in there. We go to each station to get whatever they're having. And it was and they just ate and ate and ate for that week. And you know, essentially what we got paid by the, by that company was fifty dollars a month for, for work for that job. So living on tips. And um and but I was the only person that was remotely um you know, European on the list. People, in fact, people mostly thought I was from Austria or from Israel. They never quite understood where I was from. All the other waiters were from either from um, from um, sort of um, Central America, the Philippines. Um, and so they all, they all work. They all, they all, you, make, you make quite a lot of money. We're making about, about the time, about a $1,000 a week you'd make in, in tips, which um, for me, given I was working two jobs, was sort of, Still quite good, but most of the other waiters that worked there, they were sending money back to where they, where they, where their families were. So that was very bad. But, but imagine on a the ship, there's no, there was no safe way. We, we'll stacked some um, three high in in, um, in cabins that um, were three people up to the roof, and um, and you had, you had a you had a, a locker, but you had all this money with you that you. Collecting on the way, and so you had to walk around with the money sort of strapped to you all the time. So this increasing weight of <laughs> your bum bag, where it was, sort of with all your money in it. So you sort of got go quite, it was, and I, it was quite, and I had quite a bit in the end because so I, I was trying to save up enough to actually get back to England and then get back to Australia because because uh, I had to go back to England. So I, um, but I, I, you know, I loved I loved Bermuda. I mean, it was it was just the this most beautiful place there, and and co- and co- and I was lucky again because because I was English speaking in. And white, <laughs> so I was able to get. I, I was taken in by a lot more of the people that the, the other staff weren't. So you know, sort of. I, 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 I hate that sort of thing. But um, so I got to know a lot of lot of people that were sort of that were sort of that were further up. But it was just a really badly run ship, and it was pretty. It was pretty dirty. And um, and I um, in the end, I, I just said I got to get off this. I, I need to get back to need to back home. And I um. So I end up, because I had my passport, I end up um, talking them into my passport back and jump ship in New York and mm-hmm. head it back home. So, um, but again, I I can't ever imagine ever wanting to be on a ship again, seeing that. I know there's better better, better versions of it, but the way the way people ate there was just ridiculous. <laughs> it was like it was a and this one was a big. This is if you look it up online. So this is an old. This is a very old ship. You know, it was retired to after, I think, <laughs> in fact, I'm, I think it might have sunk or something. But it, um, you know, it, um, it. Um, it really the, the 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 way the staff our staff were treated was um, awful. We were allowed a bit of time on the front on the foredeck, um, but we weren't allowed to mix with the with the, um, the people at all, and um, and so we had to spend this whole time telling you a story because you want these people to like you and um and and um, give you money because <laughs> otherwise it was just a waste of time, but. Um, yeah, so that was a very brief time in my life, but I, I realized that I won't never need to go on a, sh- on a on a ship again.
0: Gosh, I can't. Yeah, I mean, such a different way and such a different system in the way that in the past it's worked in America, and it, and I, I you can see why people would bend over backwards or put up with terrible behaviour from guests when it really is your lifeline towards whether you're not you're fed or not. So, but um, yeah, I mean just an incredible time and look you know uh you know i'm sure you're knowing you you're not a huge eater that wants to gorge yourself for a week so i can see why the the pull to ships is not not for you (laughs) there's plenty to discover in our amazing country tell tell me a little bit about um when you returned home tell me a little bit about the farmer's brother liquor chain you worked for because I, i don't know really anything about their story yeah well so i came back to
1: um Go back to Australia, I end up working back... Working for the um the same company that I was working before they had another they had another hotel that's um used, now called the QT but it was the um it was the lakeside so I am not working there but I I was trying to study music at the time but I I just realised that was a bit of a sort of a pathway that I was going to was going to be at best a music teacher so I I thought uh, this had came in the paper for a trainee manager of Farm Brothers and I knew Farm Brothers they were sort of the local one of the local independents that they were the people that really changed um, liquor in in Canberra, the it was David and Richard Farmer. Richard Farmer was a lobbyist for the government and they found out that they're gonna deregulate um, the the beer beer pricing. say um, this this back in the early early eighties, I think it was late eighties, early eighties. So they they had a shop in Marnica and they were selling beer off the back of a truck there. But um David's love was um, David Farmer's love was um was wine. Um, he was another people, like he was, he was a bit like Peter Langen, bit bit reined in, but uh, same. <laughs> same, same idea. And um, so they, they had this, they, they had about three stores in Canberra at the time and they, they spent it here. But um, pretty quickly they realised that, that, you know, with me, they, they, I, 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 I um, I like working there. We moved around the they had stores in City and Belcon and all the places. And, um, and they had great wines there, a lot of, a lot of Australian wines. But they, had, they were the ones that really were importing some really decent French wines back then. Like we, like the first time I ever tried a, a Cote Roteur was a Grigales, a half bottle. That I got, I bought for twelve dollars from Farm Brothers, so um, yeah, so wine, wine, wine was way you know obviously really cheap back then, and he was he was the guy that brought in those 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 um, single vineyard Huguenot wines in Australia for the first time. So we were drinking those, you know, in the eighties when, when they first sort of came to the market, and um, so so I, I liked that, and I, and I like this sort of thing. And so he, he, he asked me if I wanted to move to Melbourne because they were expanding down there, so I had a couple of stores down there. And they were Dan Murphy's were the big one. They were, you know, the actual Dan Murphy was the, the main market down there, and there was Nicks and a few others there. But um, Farm Brothers was, 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 were now doing the same in Sydney, but they, they thought they could really expand down in, in Melbourne, so they sent me down there to work with Phil Rowe, who was the regional manager, to work as his assistant. So we we um, we had we just started opening up stores all over the place. So I was moving around. I'd I'd, I'd, be, I'd get the store store set up and get a new manager in, then move around and. Um, and Phil, he's a Kiwi, and um, he was probably had probably one of the biggest effects on me for wine because he was um, he had a great wine cellar back in New Zealand, and he loved European wines. And you know, I had my first um, you know, experience with um, with Burgundy with him, like a, you know, like a, one of the great ones. Like we 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 had a bottle of the. Um, um, it was an 85 de way <laughs> and, um, and, and I just remember that one just, and I was sort of, I, was, I guess that like working with Farm Brothers, I was sort of into Australian wines, so we had a really good range of Australian wines and, but Phil, who was, but he said no, you know, so and we'll, 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 we were sort of drinking great Chablis and Burgundies, and he had a little love of um, of um, of Italian wine, and particularly from um from Tuscany, and that that had a big effect on me because you know, when we came to growing grapes, Sangiovese was the first variety I planted. So working with Phil was was fantastic, and we it didn't work. Eventually, farm brothers had to you know they got into discounting, and like we'll 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 bring in semi trailers of you know Canunga Hill for f- paying four dollars ninety for sell it for four dollars ninety nine. So you can't do that for too long before you um you sort of run out of run out of cash. So um, we we end up owned um, a hotel in Tasmania. So my my wife is Jocelyn. Um, we we just got married. Um, she, her her background was hospital as well. So he, David moved me and Jocelyn down to run this hotel down in Tasmania. After then, and while we're down there, the farm brothers went into into liquidation. So we um. We um, and I still, but I still have contact with David. He lives, he, he lives in, he, he lives in the and he um he ended up paying back, as far as I understand, he ended up paying back all his debt that he had, and um and um he's still the same sort of person. still you know, loves, loves food and wine. Yeah. Hmm,
0: well, that's fascinating. I didn't really know anything about them, so I, I love hearing well,
1: what that. Well, if you look at the vintage cellars, vintage cellars is what farm Barabas became. So all those vintage cellars stores. The original ones, they were the farm brother stores, because he sold. He basically, based the, business, the business was sold to Coles, and Coles developed f- um, vintage sellers f- from from the. There was a there was, a, there was a couple in Sydney, so they, in Melbourne they, they had. So they were the the, the the ones that were were doing really well, which is the I think the one in Melbourne was the one in Brighton, and there was one in um, in Ball, and they they that. were the first sort of vintage seller stores. So it, um that's where that's where it ended up, that's where I ended up was um was um part of coal Sam
0: fascinating I love that what was your experience like in in Tasmania when you were down at the the hotel at Eaglehead Eaglehawk Neck yeah it was just a fascinating time because we um you know it was this I mean, Joss and I
1: just, just got married and um and we went down there and it was it's called the Lufra Hotel which is sort of, still there it still hasn't changed much and um, it's like a sort of thirty room hotel with a a dining room, a public bar, and that. And um, at the time, Tasmania was very much, this is just after the, came back a long time, this is after the, the pilot strike of the late 80s. So Tasmania, tourism was basically just killed through the pilot strike. Um, um, and um, so we'll still recover in there. So essentially, as far as tourism-wise, we just had a, it was really from Christmas to Easter that you'd be busy with tourists. Other than that, you might have one or two rooms a night through the rest of the year. David did want a, um, a good restaurant because David is Tasmanian so he um so we during the summer months we 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 we'd brought a chef down with us young chef Murray who was um out just started his apprenticeship so during the during the summer months in early autumn we'd 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 we'd, we'd cook really good food there like we'd scale with we, those fantastic seafood I still haven't seen as good a seafood as I saw back then in Tasmania we, we, we there was a fishing village there at um Pirates Bay, so we we would um, we would have fresh fish all the time in there, and plus they all, all these growers were growing things like um, all all our sort of um, salad greens and um, and meats and game, and so it was just an incredible time to to cook that. And I and I because I because I, I had a, my my cooking at the time was being a fairly enthusiastic home cook. I wanted to learn commercial cooking, so I learned commercial cooking basis working with Murray. So I'd, I'd spend most of my time. Doing the back of house stuff, so I'd run you within know, the bars or in the in the rest in the restaurant in, in the kitchen. And Jostin would do all the front of house stuff. So she'd run she'd run the business, and um, so it's quite. I we, 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 we still do that now with our with our you know, our company now. But um, so the the um, so we did have a great. I and mean, we, we actually ended up winning quite good awards down there, all that thing there, and the food was fantastic. But then. Come winter, we had to shut it all down. So we'd, and then then it was basically just turn on the deep fryer and um, it, and um, cooking for the locals. And um, they, you know, it, uh, the, the bar there, the, the top bar, um, it was a it, it was a bar that only recently um, had allowed women into it. To <laughs> so if you, if you get the idea of the times, and um, it was all the and the local the closest bars were um, was one in Newbin and one in Dunally. So it was all the locals just basically drank all they spent all their money drinking in that bar there. So we ran, we, we, all the social was around that bar there. So it was a really important part of the business that it kept going. But it was, it sort of drive you crazy because you sort of, you, you caught up in a lot of lives that are sort of, um, you know, a lot of fishermen and, um, and lo- local local growers. And, but I guess it taught, it, it, taught, it taught me and Jocelyn a lot about business because the biggest problem we had with the Lufra, and the Lufra was a hotel that was set up by Reg Anset. So when he set up his um, bus lines back post-World War II, Lelufra was one of his, one of his first um, t- hotels where he'd bring, bring bus travellers down, down there. So, but when he set it up, he, there, was, there was one, one property next, above us and the water came from a spring about sort of three kilometres up the hill. And that was fine and all fine and good, but the in the meantime, it had all been sold off, and so our our, our one inch feed line to the hotel came through about four properties, and everyone everyone would um, tap into it for their for their cow troughs and stuff like that. And the guy at the end grew, grew drugs, so we, we'd ha- we'd have to um. When when you ran out of siphon, it was was no pump there, it was all siphon. We'd have to go and talk him in to start getting it going and you have to give him, take up beer and stuff with him and give give him all the stuff to get him to start the siphon up for you. So we were trying to run a a tourist hotel with this sort of one inch, three kilometer long line that um, that, that was all all the water we had. So with that, again, that sort of thing is that, you know, you know, at the time, the reason we did it was we loved the idea of getting our own little place. And but that sort of put us in perspective about what you need to know before you go into it, where, Where's the water going and where it's coming from and where it's going? Because our, our, our septic system used to sort of essentially go down through a, quite a, a little rainforest down onto the Pirates Bay Beach. <laughs> so which is all been tied up now, obviously. But it's, um, at the time, then it was like this crazy thing, and, the, and the, all, all of a sudden it stopped working. And the, the, our local handy handyman Ray would have to go find some roadkill cool to get the septic going again, so it wouldn't sort of be pumping raw heaps out of the beach. <laughs> so so, that, <laughs> so that, have, that, took, that took a lot of our time just sort of dealing with that local. But we um, we loved it down there. We, our, our, our our first child, our Lily, was born down there, and um, so we have really fond memories of it. And um, but when Farm Brothers. When liquidation, we 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 sort of had to get out of this because so we we ended up talking them into um so we we um um got got ourselves paid out and um and and the, and the property was sold and Joss and I and Lily we went for a big trip overseas for a few months and um trying to work out what we we're going to do when we came back to we because we, we had a house in Melbourne at the time so work out what we we're going to do when we go back in Melbourne so um yeah so it was sort of again one of those times in your life where you um you sort of see. An emerging thing, and, and, and wine wasn't the main focus there. But David still. We used to do wine dinners. Like we used to bring down winemakers from um, from the mainland to um, to do to, um, wine dinners down there. And we had a really good cellar down there that, um, that, that, that that I loved. And David, David, when David arrived at town, he had to make sure he had had all the things he needed to drink down there. <laughs> so we had to maintain quite, quite a good cellar. And, um,
0: I, yeah. I, I love that I mean if you take one thing out of that experience which obviously it was such a, a deep and you know worthwhile experience but to have a love of cooking to develop your passion for cooking like you said to, to do a you know a, a complete course in cooking and then you know that that is in itself such a gift you actually when you returned back to Canberra you were actually teaching cooking schools is that right?
1: <laughs> you know, sort of you, I guess so you get this point where you sort of um you, you just sort of um, keep moving forward and um, and I got a lot of this, lot of this from from Jocelyn. Like she she's sort of you know has had a real big effect on it, as, 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 as your partner should about how, how you go about things. She, she, she's, she's done many degrees. She's always been, you know, sort of. And so when something said when um, and, she, and she was working at the time as a teacher at this um, international hotel, Australian International Hotel School, for IHS, which was part of the Cornell Business School at the time. And um, so I was teaching business, the, the business of, of um, running hotels, at a time when full fee paying students. Study wasn't a thing, you know. So most of the students from from, from overseas. So there was a lot, a lot of from 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 Asia and that. So we, um, so they they had a, a cooking ed, educator there, um, Gabby, who um, who ended up get, being called back to Cornell and. Um, and the, the manager at the time, the person that was running the program, she said, because I was, I was working at the Hyatt at the time, I was, I was working in the, in, the, in the kitchen there. So I basically sort of come out of the loofer, I started, just started working. As a, I wanted to keep going with the chef, and so I started working as a chef, but not being fully qualified meant that I was working in some pretty sort of weird place, in the place. But so I was working at the Hyatt, and I, you know, I, I can't say I really liked it, but they said, why don't you apply for the job? And I said, well, I don't, I don't really know. Um, teaching, I don't really. Uh, cooking is sort of something that's quite new to me. And I said apply for it, so I applied for, it and they gave it to me. So all of a sudden, I was I was learning, to, you know, things like stock, soups, and sauces. Just before I was going out and teaching them, so <laughs> but but it got me out. Of, it got me out of the kitchen, and it was quite it paid quite well, and I was sort of, and I quite liked it because it was, you know, it was, it was challenging to get up in front of, you know, there's probably a dozen students, but you know, you get up in front of students and having to talk. And um, it wasn't something that I, that, I, that, I do, that I had done before or, um, or thought I'd ever, or even I was that good at it. But I, but I, I loved the learning process. And um, then we also ended up doing a, um, that was going quite well. And they didn't want me to do another course. We did a course on international dining. So we basically sort of could pick any country and we'd go and cook, cook the food from there. So we are doing mostly Southeast Asia, Southeast Asia at the time. And because it's school a bit of resource, I was going up to Sydney and you know sitting down with David Thompson and learning about Thai food and um, going and um, and those sort of things. So, so I was able to sort of um, develop my food thing really quite well through that. I sort of um, I really liked it, and we'll we'll we we'll, we we'll, we'll sort of at that same time we, we'd we um, I was I was studying I started studying viticulture and we had had our second child then, and so I sort of. Um, um, it was fitting in quite well with doing the part-time work in, in the vineyards, a place called Geer Creek here. I was able to, was able to work with Rob and Kay there as sort of more part-time that eventually I was going a bit of pay money for. It. But the hotel school sort of gave me that, month, that time. We just once or twice we would go in there and teach and we lived in Canberra at the time. So I was able to spend the rest of the time been with Lily and um, and then James and um, and Jocelyn was able to keep going with her career, which um, was really important because um, obviously, it's, as you as you know, it's, it's very hard to sort of step step away. And um, so I, we, we just we just decided that I was I was probably better, more suited to being at home because I was I was the cook as well than than Justin So she would keep, she would keep going, and I, I, and I was lucky very lucky to stay, be able to stay at home and be, be with the kids when they were young and that. So. um so the yeah, so hotel school was um, was great. I, I really liked doing that, and it um, it is sort of um, it was just a nice sort of side thing that meant that I didn't have to go work in a kitchen. So, so I was basically working nights and Jossam was working days, and so it was just sort of it was really sort of hard to have that sort of relationship if you both worked in in the same industry, even, even though she was teaching. It was still hospitality. hospitality so yeah.
0: I, I know that all too well. That also led at one. At one small point, as well to you becoming a restaurant cricket, cr- critic, critic, um, briefly tell me a little bit about kind of how that how that manifested.
1: Well, again, I'd sort of. um, Jocelyn, um had le- left the hotel school. Was going through some changes. It was it was bought by the Blue Mountains Hotel School, um, and Jocelyn, Jocelyn ended up running running the the the, the IHS, So, but she got headhunted because st- her background was more probably finance, aren't it? So she got um, a job. Working as the business manager of um of a one, one of the school big schools in Canberra, Bradford College in Canberra. So she she left that, and once she left, I felt I would sort of yeah you know, I needed to do something else, and and plus what the wine thing was sort of becoming more. Like I was I was actually working a couple of days a week, getting paid for it by then, and um so I left there and decided to um to um just focus on that, and um and that, that was the same sort of time when I um st- crossed over and started working with um with Tim at Clonacilla. And um, so one day the Canberra Times editors rang me up and said, um, are you interested in doing reviewing restaurants? And my first question was, you know, why, why are you calling me for? Because um, obviously there's a food thing there, but they I think maybe the education background for <laughs> only a couple of years um, sort of. Um, so, that, yes, like, and again, I said, yes, okay, I'll give it a go. And I... Um, I set out and I went out and they said, "I'll go 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 to a restaurant, re, re, review it, and see, we'll see how you go." And so and again, no schooling in in writing at all. I, I left school quite early and um, and you know went back to do this university with um, for when I was doing a So to say, I wasn't that sort of um, great at sort of um, that sort of thing. So I um I went out and did, a, did a review of a restaurant and I I took a sort of a fairly sort of um, not saying so a humorous approach to it, but sort of a bit more of a you know, light-hearted approach to what, what 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 I was doing and, and that sort of thing. And they, they liked it. And so all of a sudden I was reviewing restaurants each almost every each week or each second week for the Canberra Times. And um, it was fun at the time. I guess um, Ravensworth was still in its very infancy. Like I hadn't really sort of popped up that much yet. So I felt it wasn't too much of a conflict to do, to do the restaurant reviewing and, and, and that at the time. And um, I had... Um, I had fun. I guess um, it's a hard thing to do, but to be a critic, I, I, I never really liked the idea of um, when you went to a place and and you were having a bad experience. And um, you always, I really hated the idea that I had, I had to go and say something then, because you know people come, people have bad days, and people have um, you know, so many people come to come to the hospital, restaurant industry. And, um, yeah, you know, as you know, you can't, you sort of, you, it's a hard thing to come up and be a critic. So, I, I tried not to be too critical. I was sort of trying to tell their story and tell my story, thread it through it. And, with it. but then also, we got to know some really good, um, restaurateurs that, um, have amazing, amazing restaurants and still, still going today. And, um, and, and got to know them. And, um, and, and, um, so you know, in the end, I, I, need, I need it. I need it heavily. I need a really good editor because I was just, I, I just sent, I'd sent her like one paragraph. <laughs> I don't know a word paragraph.
0: <laughs> she okay. <laughs>
1: so she she goes <laughs> editor edit and
0: all that. And um, is that where is that where the tongue and cheek book has come from? Yeah. So, but so that's a bit. But after, so
1: I was doing it for a while. Then they, they asked me to, to um. So like, she, she, um, um, Kirsten Lawson was the editor, and she, she said to me she'd always thought about doing a column about uh, men men cooking because um so, and and she said like, 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 like they said can you could you just do a, like a, a recipe but aim it at sort of um teaching men how to to cook and I said um yeah, yeah I can do that so I um they called it my, my, the first one was, it was called male called called to start off with and then um. So I took on the persona of a of hunter-gatherer. So all of a sudden I was talking about sort of um, foods, because we, we'll live on the farm by then, so we're living out here at Murron Bateman. And so I was talking about how, things that we will do into what locals were doing. And, um, and it started off just sort of simply cooking sort of you know, on the barbecue as, as, you, as you do with with men's cooking. But um, it evolved into quite a big column. It was like, it was essentially it was a thousand words a week it was apparently it was quite popular in Canberra. Um, it it, it um, used to get um, put, in, you know, put in, into digital format. Once gone to digital got put into the, um, the the General Fairfax, and um, I just had a lot of fun with it. The the, the general manager at um Clonacilla, David Reist, he he was, a, he was a keen photographer, so he started doing the photographs for me. And we had just had so much fun cooking, you know, and um, and I had all sorts of things going on here. We, we ended up raising, we, we were raising pigs. Here to do the whole Salumi thing, to, to write columns about it, and um, then then um, we thought we um done. David um, has published books before. His 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 wife's a, um, a, a, an author, so he said, "Let's do a cookbook." So we um we did this, published the cookbook from basically it, was basically it was one year of um, the articles that I wrote, but we went back to the the raw articles and sort of put them. More the way that I, that without, you know, Kirsten was still involved, so she was still helping us edit them. But I was trying to put, you know, you could, you could be more, flu- more you, you used a different language, <laughs> you know what I mean, we, 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 with the book. So we ended up publishing this um, cookbook, which is still available because we we're we up getting it published in, in, um, in China because we tried to do it locally, but it was too expensive. So we, we had to get a thousand of them made, which was you know, way bigger than the, when the market was. <laughs> so so you, still, you still buy it. <laughs> I'll send you a copy.
0: I have been trying to get a copy, and I uh, through a few different websites, and um, yeah, I, I've found it quite challenging. So, if you've got a spare copy, I'd love to read it one day. I can just borrow it and give it back, but I'd love to read it. Now, I want to talk. Um, I want to talk a little bit about your time at Killer because you spent fifteen years as the assistant winemaker, a huge stint in your career tell me about what you learned at conicula
1: uh, look i guess it was one of these things where um, you know my, my role prior to that we'd evolved to a contract winemaking business and at tear creek and um i can't say i really really enjoyed doing that i i we, 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 I'd, I'd just been buying a little bit of fruit to make a bit of wine myself at the time we didn't have avenue hadn't produced them and i got to know tim because i you know he was the early days of the shraz i um i um it just fascinated me. So, and Tim had a bit of a similar history. Like he'd been he'd been living in Melbourne as well, working in a wine. He was a teacher, but he'd been working at Nick's Wine down there. So we we sort of had a bit of a connection. We had kids he had, a lot, he had more way more than I did, but we sort of had kids. We just had our had our both. We just had our last child in two thousand three, and um, so we used to. We, they, Tim and Lars come over here and went over there, and um, and then um, one night here, he just said, "Would you like to come and work for me?" And I thought, "Well, I'm part of, my partner in a business up there. I can see the, the where I was working from where I'm sitting now." But I said, "Look, I want to do it because um, I, I knew where Tim was at. His father had sort of um, was pulling out of the um, actively role in the winemaking. Tim Tim was going to be the CEO." He needed to be the face of the business. He needed a winemaker to work with him to help grow that business. Um, so it took a while, but we I did it and we started in 2000, 2004. I just started just prior to that. So I was but the first thing I did there was to bottle the 2003 Shiraz Rionya, which was like a big, one of their Big, the first time they made about 10,000 litres at the time, which is quite a lot, quite a lot for a small business, and certainly at the price that was sort of at the time was about a sort of $60 wine. So it was very precious to that small business. And at the time, it was really just me, Tim, and his parents that worked there. Was another, Michael Laev was the other um, uh, the main person there, but it was a very small team there. And um, they had like a cellar door where we'd take turns in sell cellar door, a little cash box, there was no computer in the place. Um, and they had this business that was. Um, growing really well like they were at the time they were really getting well known for their um for their product and um so it was a great opportunity so i i um, i jumped ship and um and started working with tim as, as the assistant and we grew the winery he eventually let me sort of run the winery and um we went from i think doing about sort of 90 tons to in full flight doing like close to 400 tons of production we grew a whole, whole new range of products through that that time there, and um, it was great. We had until had a lot of fun. You know, we um, at that time Tim was getting that, those first ala cards. when we got the Langtons classification at the top rung. There, we were up in Sydney, and I remember mean, we went to, went to Rockpool Bar and Grill, and um, and just had this, this. I think so, it was the. So we just had this lovely meal there with a great bowl of wine and just just talking about you know it's it's fantastic to this small little business that it's um it's run it's got this achievement you know that's and it just went on and on from there and you know Tim's just um uh, just just such such a nice person and. um, and um, yeah, we had, had, had a lot of fun. So the, when I left there, the, it, was, it, was, it was quite you know, a lot of people work there, and the um, full staff They've got full big, big, huge cellar door now, that's fully staffed all week. And um, but yeah, I, I, I often reflect on that, and I, I pop over there and, and see them quite often and when I can. And um, and, uh, and it was just a really good time of my life. And and Tim was um, very generous in letting me develop my Ravensworth brand over that period as well. So, so at that time, there all the Ravensworth was, was being made at Clonakilla. So I was making that on the side at Clonakilla. So it was um, at the time, you know, we, we were sort of still working out. We had a lot of partnerships going on in this business, and um, and so we were sort of working out what we needed to be. And um, eventually, we were able to buy the other partners. This in two thousand and twelve, we had to buy the other partners out. And um, so it became just our business, my family. So um, and then that was ten years ago. So we're sort of we we'd grown – were very small back then so Tim let me um, sort of grow that business and was very encouraging and certainly when I started buying all the weird things that I like to play around with when they started appearing at chronic like the you know, ceramic eggs and concrete tanks and fooders and that he um, he was very generous and it really really helped our business we were able to sort of that over that period then sort of it didn't have to pay me money I was been I was really well paid at chroniciller and so I was able to um, to keep the money in our business and have the money here to develop, because I knew when I left Clonacilla, I wanted to be able to make wine like I could at Clonacilla, which meant having a really good winery, good, good equipment, good vessels. So um, we were able to sort of over the years sort of have all that here. And um, so when I, when I left there in two thousand and twenty. We had a, um, a full winery here, a beautiful, beautiful straw bale cellar, fully equipped, ready for vintage. That we didn't go ahead because of the 2020 fires, but we had a full, full thing ready to go here. So the transition from Chronicle to here was um, was very really seamless for me, and um, and um, yeah, I sort of, it's, I still wake, wake up. From weird dreams where I'm worried about clonic killers Sort of, that, 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 that's, that's, not, i that not that's to It's still, it's still it's, yeah, six, six, 15, 16 fifteen, sixteen years—a long, a long time to um, to do something and not have an effect on you. And um, like ever beforehand, you know, there's these people come into your life, and Tim's Tim's very much one of those that um, that you know, sort of um, that's a, that's a mentor, you know, that sort of that that takes you to the next the next spot. And um, you know, I am um, I'm very very thankful for that time. It um, really, it really. I, mean, I, I guess I, I, I hope that I was useful. We, the business, did, Tim was able to sort of um, grow that business as he did, and um, so I think it was quite, quite mutually beneficial. Um, but I, I did, I did, I did enjoy it. But, it, but the time came to to, to leave there. Yeah.
0: I can say, I'm sure, with Tim's backing, that you had an absolutely huge imprint on that business, and uh, you know. I'm sure he is very, very grateful, as we all are, for your dedication to Clonicilla at that time. In true Brian Martin um, style, you've talked so much about all these beautiful people you've met and you always leave what you now do, your beautiful Ravensworth wines, to the the very end. Uh, As you said, you have been, you know, working with varieties that you love to play around with. You've got now certified organic 16 hectare plus farm and you really kind of make wines that interest you with their very minimal carbon imprint. They are stunning wines that once you start going down the kind of little rabbit's hole of what you do well, you kind of never – I think come out of it because there's always something of interest and uh, they are made so beautifully with so much care. Uh, if you haven't tried, to everybody listening, if you haven't tried the wines of Ravensworth, which you have a lovely range in a state range, a regional range, you also work with some lovely kind of fruit from the hilltops and Tumbarumba, but they are wines that you will be forever fascinated by. Um, total Pleasurable drinking um, wines, but also just wines that make you think as well. Your son is now involved a little bit, is that right? In, in the kind of um, ongoing process at Ravensworth.
1: Yeah, he is. Yeah, like so, Lewis finished school, finished school um, two years ago, and he said to us, so he's one of the kids that went through Year Eleven, Twelve um, um, during COVID. So he, um, he he has a lot of time at home here doing his studies and. Um, sort of trying to work out what he what he wanted to do. Like his brother and his sister sort of sort of had a bit more they sort of some ways knew what they were going to do. He, he was sort of still not sure. He's sort of more artistic type. And um, and so he he said I us in Eleven, I want to do this. And we sort of Justin and I were delighted because um, that sort of succession sort of thing is a big thing in the in the industry. Is a lot of a lot of businesses don't keep going because of the succession. And uh, and I could see very well what I what I was do to a businessman obviously with Clonacilla And um so he um he said so he so said, okay, so he, he enrolled in um in the year twelve, he enrolled in to CSU do the same course that I did, the wine science course there. Went out and did his West two during the holidays. And um so he'd sort of had a bit of experience with wine. But I was been you know, i grew grew up around, I was born on the property. So he sort of wine was something he, he was quite familiar with. And during vintage he and, his, and also his older brother would, if that would come over and help me with you know, late night plunging and that sort of stuff, they? so they sort of very much embedded in his in his in his mind the wine thing. Turned say that what we want to do so we'll delight it. So he, um, the so 2022 vintage was his first one with 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 me, and he just I, I, since I'd run the I run the winery here myself, we have a couple of. Young, sort of aspirational winemakers from hospitality that um, that come and do some work with me during vintage, and I'm really happy to have, have them here because that's what I did. <laughs> that's how I got started, so I'm always really happy to help them. So for Lewis, we were able to sort of, he was able to sort of um, launch into the, the 22 vintage. It was quite a big finish for us. We did sort of 130 odd tons. So it was quite which is probably about yeah you know, almost twice what I'd done before. So it was quite a busy year and the winery was still in its you know, sort of in its still very much a raw wine and we didn't have a lot of equipment sort of set up by then. But he liked it and it was it was it was quite he sort of in, in the first year of studies he, he launched some of that and so he's into it. Like he's just, He just did a three-month stint in the in Cut Row team with a friend of ours, who's actually one of the first interns at Clonical, and runs a, his own wine. They're called Domaine, Graham and Julie Bott, who's a fantastic producer. He sent him one of his wines back here in 2020, one of his single single vineyard sites, and he's just a great producer. So Lewis worked three months with him for the 2023 20, vintage, which was a great vintage over there for the for Cut Row team. I think it was, there were was some problems in sort of the southern part of Europe, but great, and so Lewis was very busy that time there and he came back with a whole new perspective on on wine and uh, and, um, and also the, the business about how you go about making wine and, and that sort of thing because obviously in Europe it's, you know, Graham, very expensive food, he deals very different and they're, they're, they're carving vineyards out of, out of rock there and they've got, they've got vineyards in Condrieu and that sort of stuff there so
0: Amazing, that's so great I'm so glad to hear that Lewis
1: is involved. is is into, into it, yeah, and he's got his own little brand. That it, we want him to sort of have that experience with selling wine as well, because we, we sell through in Bebo, so we um we, we know we do a lot with them, but to actually go out there and have to sort of knock on doors and say, oh, try my wine, which I, I did earlier, is, is, is a good thing to do, I think. So so he um and, he, and he's also we wanted to make sure that he knew the industry, so he's been working in hospitality for as well. So he's working at a place called Paranormal Wines with a guy named Max Walker. I'm not sure if you know him from he used to be in Sydney, and um and also does a bit of work, done a bit of Bar Rockford and such and such, and he does he does a, he does a, a, a yearly post vintage stint at Wildfire Brewing in Sydney. So he does some work in the in the brewery there, but also work. They've got quite, quite a neat little cellar door there. So he's, for young guys, not quite twenty one, he's thrown himself at it. So.
0: That's so great to hear. And if Lewis, hopefully, you are listening to your father's sage advice, but uh, you really have an amazing amazing opportunity to be involved with such beautiful winery and. Uh, Yeah, I'm really glad to hear that he's taking that on board. And and Brian, you are someone that, you know, looks for opportunity, keeps pushing yourself, is a real person of discovery and curiosity. And I see that in you every time we wine judge or whatever we do together, I I can see that you're just a curious soul and I I am too. And I I really love that about you. I wanted to give you, I'll have to wrap this up. So we'll have to do a bit of a rapid fire, but I wanted to ask two questions. First of all, I want to give you the opportunity to shout out some of your peers' wines that you're drinking. So who do you out of – you know, not your own wines, do, do you really enjoy drinking and, and buy each year? And then if you could only drink three drinks for the rest of your life, what would they be?
1: Um, yeah, so I, I guess the, obviously we do. We, we, we swap wine with people and we buy wine. And um, so I guess some of the wines that I've, I enjoy and look for each year, I mean, I love um, Dave and Steve's um, Salo wines from from um, Yarra. I just think the, the Chardonnay is fantastic. And also, in Dave Bignell's, the, the eight, six, four is like a standard. Uh, anything that Josh and Owen do, I, I, I love. I love where they're at. That's, to me, they're um, they, they're. You know, they're obviously second generation but I still very feel akin like to them and um, as, if I think about Lewis, I always think that the, seeing these guys take their their, their their family's business and just move them forward and that is fantastic. I love um, Nebbiolo from up in the Alpine Valleys and Beechworth, you know. I love what Tess is doing at um, Vignon Smalls and Brown, I think she's someone to watch. Recently was down there and went to a place to see Paul at Pippin Steel, she's someone that's so focused on Nebbiolo, love that. In Adelaide Hills, I was I judged there for three years and got to know them quite well. But I I didn't like the underbelly, underbelly there, so I always sort of end up in the basket ranges. So um, you know, commune of buttons and you know, Sholto's wines at basket ranges. And, and and honestly, Gareth at General Folk is such a lovely person. I love his wine. Just just love love his wine. Tasmania, you know. Sam Conu at Stargazer, just her wines are just sort of just brilliant wines. Uh, like, likewise with um, Jim's down in Huon Valley, Jim Chateau, and my good my good friend um, Ricky Evans at Two Ton Tasmania. I've, we've sort of um, spent a lot of time together. We, we sell through the same business, and um, I really like what he's doing up in up in the, the north there. I think he's a, a young winemaker that is um, really. Um, really hungry for for the business and um, yeah, so there's sort of some people obviously Clonakilla yeah. <laughs> because I've got a cellar full of them. <laughs> so, so, so it's, it's lo- lovely to drink wines that are old now; <laughs> they're a mature wines. sorry, that that I made with Tim back at all the time, I was, fasc- I was fascinated when that would come around. So um, yeah, so there's they, some of the ones. I, mean, I, I love I love Hunter Shiraz and Semyon many produce, I think they're the wines that just sort of age so well. You know, they're just sort of, um, if you've you, you got to wait, but they're just absolutely stunning wines. So, that, you know, Tyrols. You know.
0: They are indeed. So, if you're picking three wines, what are they going to be? I know it's a tough question.
1: Yeah, out of those there, um, I'd say the the Salo Chardonnay. Um, I'd say the um, the, the, the Tyrols, um, the Semillon. and uh, And... Um, and I think I, mean, I do like Chardonnay. I'd say I'd say gentle folks um would be the ones that I'd sort of um, okay. That's what yeah, I quite like those ones. Yeah.
0: It tells me a little bit about kind of your palate, and when we're to meet again, what to bring you to drink. So. <laughs> Brian, I love speaking to you. I really hope we get to do some judging in 2024 together. Thank you so much for spending the time. You're such a wealth of knowledge and you've had a fascinating life and only will continue to get more exciting, no doubt. So thank you for spending some time with me today. I really appreciate it.
1: No, thank you. Thank you very much. I love it. Okay. Bye-bye.
0: This is Over a Glass. I'm Shante Whale.